We are, again, started our journey in the Sermon on the Mount. Best sermon ever. Just reminding you again, one of the kids thought it was me. It's not that I have a best sermon ever. It's that Jesus preached this best and taught this best sermon ever. And So we're in the midst of the Beatitudes right now. Matthew 5, verse 5. We continue on our blessed journey, or blessed journey. I just want to remind you about that word, makarios, means fortunate, happy. The root term means large, so think large, happy, large, fortunate, the blessed one, if you will, the one who possesses the favor of God, the one who is a partaker of God's nature through faith in Christ. Do you have faith in Christ? Do you have a relationship with Christ? If you do, you are blessed And you can see true satisfaction coming from God, not from things, but from God, not from happy circumstances or good luck. It is, Makarios is a deep inward abiding joy. We could say much joy. It's an inward contentedness not altered by circumstances. You remember? So we continue on today with another verse that says, blessed is this kind of person. And today we arrive at meek, or your translation may say gentle, both are good. Uh, From my readings, I ran into a fellow named J. Upton Dixon. Anybody know him? Anybody go to high school with him? No? All right. J. Upton Dixon founded a group years ago of submissive people. Many of you would not be in that group. Can I just say that? Yeah. I would not either, all right? He, He called, he named the group Doormats. How's that for a name? Doormats. It stood for the dependent organization of really meek and timid souls. If there are no objections. Their motto was, the meek shall inherit the earth. If that's okay with everybody. Their symbol was the yellow traffic signal. How about that? That's not what we're talking about today. Here's what I want you to think today. Get this idea in your mind today as we talk about being meek, being gentle, meekness. This uh, promise that we have in the Word is this. Strength under perfect control. Strength under perfect control. Puritan pastor Thomas Watson said this. Puritan, many years ago, centuries. Meekness toward other people consists of three things. The bearing of injuries the forgiving of injuries, and the returning of good for evil. I like that. Remember our progression as we've started in the Beatitudes. We looked at the poor in spirit, and that's that's the result of seeing God. And then last week we had those who mourn or mourning. That results from seeing self and seeing what's going on, sin in life. And now today we get to what I call mighty meekness, mighty meekness. Let's read, uh, not just verse 5, but let's read the first five verses, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, because they will be comforted. And we arrive at verse 5. Blessed are the gentle, or the meek, because they will inherit the earth. Let's pray. God, may you reveal yourself to us today through your word. May we be receptive. May we see the importance of this verse in our life. Not just now, but in eternity. 
God, may we consider what we might be able to do to be intentional and to be influencers in our neighborhoods, our schools, our city, our state, our world. So God, help us today as we study your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Blessed are the gentle or the meek because they will inherit the earth. Well, let's start with number one, what meekness is not. Let's, let's get out of our mind because meek, the word has been, the English word meek has been ruined. Have you noticed? It's been ruined because what I want to say to you this right at the top is meekness is not weakness. See how that rhyme, see that little rhyme there? I thought you'd be impressed with that. I stole that from a bunch of different guys. Meekness is not weakness. So what is it not? Number one, it is not pride. Now you think back to those times, the original hearers, recipients of this word, you had the rabbis. They had great pride in learning. Do you remember that? And then you had the Greeks, and they had great pride in intellect. And then, of course, you had the Romans, which they're dealing with at this point, and they had great pride in power. And all of a sudden, this comes along. So we need to note, uh, there's many things, but just a few I'm sharing today. Number one, meekness is not pride. Number, uh, let me share a verse that, that reminded me. We know Romans 12, 1 and 2, but I thought of Romans 12, 3. You might want to jot it down. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you, to not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly or soberly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. So meekness is not pride. Secondly, meekness is not one or the person who is e easily provoked. Easily provoked. Do you know anybody who's e easily provoked? Whew, that makes life tough, doesn't it? 2 Timothy 2.24, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. Paul shares this with young Timothy as he's becoming a leader. And then 1 Corinthians 13.5, we know that, don't we? The love chapter, love does not act improperly, is not selfish, is not provoked and does not keep a record of wrongs. So meek, meekness is not pride. Meekness is not the one who's easily provoked. And one other one I'd share with you this morning is this. Meekness is not revengeful. The person seeking revenge. Now I know none of you have ever thought that in your life, have you? I mean, we have terms, don't we? A pound of flesh, right? I mean, we have terms, terms that show how revengeful we can be or how easy it is to fall into that trap. And I share with you uh, Jesus' words later on in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 6, verse 14. This one blows me away. This is after the Lord's Prayer. And I don't know how to interpret this except just to read it, listen to it. For if you forgive others their trespasses your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Hmm. 
It's important to remember that meekness comes in, in sequence. Remember I said that the, the Beatitudes are progressive. They're building upon each other. So meekness is right here between those who mourn for sin and then next week what we'll look at, those who hunger and thirst after right, righteousness. And we have meekness or gentleness right in there. So that's what meekness is not. Let's move on and see what meekness is. I don't normally do this, but I'm going to quote from William Barclay, and I am going to quote a pretty long quote. And what he has done, because I surely don't agree with him on everything, so don't, don't write me letters if you don't like him. But he gave us his own translation of this verse. In fact, it's a big amplified translation, and I love it. I wish I could speak in the, the, the language of old times, but I'm just going to read it for you. See if any of this resonance, resonates with you. He said this, Barclay. Oh, the bliss of the man who is always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time, who has every instinct, every impulse, and every passion under control because he himself is God-controlled and has the humility to realize his own ignorance and weakness. That's pretty good. That's pretty, if you want a definition, just go back and listen to the recording and, and jot that down. Uh, it, it's obviously a Greek Bible word that we have here. It's praus. It's often translated meek or gentle. The word was often used, this might help you, this word was often used to talk about a horse. Who would have thought? About the horse being powerful. Now you think about that for a minute. Think how powerful a horse. You, have you ever experienced, did I tell you, I told you my Rudos, a horse? experience, didn't I, when I was a teenager? So we're riding horses. You know, you know, you know how horses are supposed to be in, uh, when you go on trail rides? Hmm. So my brother, two years older than me, he takes off on his horse, and I had this nice horse. What they didn't tell me, it was a former race horse from Rudoso. <laughs> and you know there they do, they're quarter horses, so as his horse took off, I'm just sitting there, there goes mine. And it takes off like a retired quarter horse. My foot goes through the stirrup. I'm hanging on the side. I'm coming towards the fence. And praise the Lord, we stopped. I got off that horse as quick as I could. I knew how to ride horses. We had horses when I was growing up. But they used this word to talk about how powerful a horse is, but how a horse had come to be trained to do what? Submit to the will of its master. Whether that involved running, jumping, in my case, stopping, prancing, you know, all the things that horses can do. It's amazing. A.T. Robertson calls meekness a gentleness of strength. So we get a good picture here. The word was also used to describe a soothing medicine or a gentle breeze. Obviously, they had not lived in New Mexico this year especially, okay? But these are all pictures of meekness or gentleness. It was used uh, also as an ethical word. It related, it tied into what's the outward conduct like. It's strength controlled, like the horse, submitting to the will of its master. And here we see it's, it's always a picture of trusting and submitting Trusting and submitting to the will of God. Let me just stop right now. And I'd, I'd like for us to do a little analysis. Would you do an evaluation of your life right now? 
would you take a, take a look at it? How hard is it for you to submit to the will of the Lord? I hope that some of you would say it is hard. It is a, is it not a, it's a daily thing, isn't it? You know, we have to be filled with His Spirit daily. I mean, we're like an inner tube. It leaks out. And each day we have to get up and say, Lord, in the morning I submit to You. You are my Master. You are my Lord. You are the one who saved me. Help me to submit to Your plans today, to Your thoughts today, to Your attitudes today, to Your actions today. That's meekness. That's gentleness. I was reminded of a couple of verses in the book of James. First of all, James 1.21. James 1.21 says this, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So we're submitting to the creator of the universe, the king of kings and the lord of lords. We're also submitting to what? His word, his revelation to us, his love letter to us. His word. Also James 3.13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. The meekness of wisdom. John MacArthur describes it this way. Meekness is the opposite of being out of control. I like that. Sometimes he's right to the point. It's the opposite of being out of control. So let me just say, you're out of control this week? In a room this size, there's some people that have been out of control this week. You are not exhibiting this, this joy-filled attribute, if you will, of meekness, okay? He goes on to say, rather, it is supreme self-control, but then he puts a very important qualifier on it. Empowered by the Spirit, God's Spirit, which, of course, reminded me of our study last summer, Fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. I had to really think about that because in a couple translations, they changed a couple of those around. So I got stuck there. But did you catch that towards the end? In fact, in that translation, New American Standard, uh, gentleness comes right before self-control. Wow. John R. W. Stott says, meekness means gentle, humble, considerate, courteous, exercising self-control. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, we can have a humble and gentle attitude to others when we have a true estimate of ourselves. Remember the progression? Meekness is essentially a true view of oneself expressing itself in attitude and conduct with respect to others. Wow. I want that. What about you? Sign me up for that. That's the kind of man that I would like to be. I'm not there, but God help me to get there. Note that meekness or gentleness is also commanded. Christian, let me tell you today, it's not an option. It's not an option. You cannot come to me and say, well, that's just how God made me. You can't do that. You cannot come to me and say, it's just my personality. You cannot come to me, especially guys, I'm one of you, and say, you know, I get over it quickly, though. You can't do that. You can't do that because we're commanded to have this in our lives. First uh, Timothy 6.11, but you, man of God, Timothy, but you, man of God, run from these things and pursue righteousness, okay, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness, 
pursue. It's a command. It's not a choice. It's what we must do. We might summarize meekness or gentleness in this way. Meekness is a characteristic by which God promises to bring blessing in the lives of Christians and through them to others. And that it is not a natural characteristic in people, but is the result of the supernatural working of God's Spirit. We can cry out to God today, if this is an area in our life where, oh, we need to be working on this, we can cry out and say, God, you have placed your spirit living and dwelling inside of me. Please transform me. Please help me to be someone who is meek, someone who is gentle. Remember, meekness is not weakness. Don't join that doormats club. But it's strength under perfect control. I want to talk briefly about, uh, or maybe not so briefly, about some biblical examples of meekness. The Bible is full of them. We're only going to be able to look at four. I start with the easy one way back, Abraham. Remember Abraham? Remember his name before he was Abraham? Abram? All right, good. Okay. You remember he had a nephew named Lot. Listen to Genesis 13, 8 and 9. Then Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me. Did you hear that? Between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Do you remember the story? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go right, or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. Gentleness. He didn't have to do that, but he chose to do that. What great picture of gentleness. Then we move on to Moses. I don't know if you've read Numbers chapter 12. It is a chapter that fascinates me. We can't get in. I think there's racism in there even. We can't get into all of Numbers 12, but there's a great story. And basically what I want to tell you is Moses is leading, and do you remember uh, his uh, sister and brother, Miriam and Aaron? And Aaron and Miriam are grumbling about Moses's leadership. They're even grumbling about who Moses married. And they, they say, Scripture records it, they say, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Do you see what they're saying there? You see how they're trying to uh, chip away at his leadership? Oh, maybe we have a word from the Lord. But Moses, in Numbers uh, 12, did not respond to them. He did not take things into his own hands. Numbers 12, 3 states, Now the man Moses was very meek more than all people who are on the face of the earth. Wow. So that's another thing that blows out of water. We, we, we can't say, hey, but I'm a leader. I've got to lead. I've got to pull people along. I've got, I got to lead, lead, lead. No. One of the greatest leaders ever, the Bible says he was more meek than anyone on the face of the earth. You see, he was meek because he entrusted this difficult situation to God. The Bible tells us uh, in, in this chapter that God's anger burned against Aaron and Miriam. You see, Moses didn't have to do anything about it. And you'll think about leprosy and some other things that happened right there in Numbers 12. So he relied on God, and God punished them for their rebellion against this anointed leader, God's anointed leader. And God firmly established Moses at this time. But Moses himself left it alone. He trusted God and did what was right. Number three, let's look at David. You might want to jot down 2 Samuel 16. 2 Samuel 16. You will remember David is in the midst of the consequences of his sin. Are you aware of that? 
the grave concept. God forgives sin, but grave consequences of sin, and he is in the midst of that. And Absalom is getting after it and winning the hearts over the people. And if you'll remember, King David, actually for a short time, he was forced to leave. He was forced to leave Jerusalem. It's almost like a coup, isn't it? As his son, Absalom, rebelliously took over the kingdom. And if you'll remember, as David was leaving, I hope you have not named your son this name, but as he was leaving, there was a man named Shammai who came out. The king is leaving and all his guys. And what is he doing? He is throwing rocks at David. He is throwing dirt at David as David and his men retreated out of town. And he is cursing David. Scripture records that. And one of David's best soldiers, and if you read the end of 2 Samuel, you, you know David had some mighty men who did some amazing things. And one of his best soldiers said to, to David, in the scripture, why should this dead dog curse my Lord and King? Let me go over now and cut off his head. <laughs> no, really. Second <laughs> Samuel 16. Isn't that now that's meekness. No, that's not meekness. You see, here's what happened the rest of the story. David did not allow that to happen. He stated this and said, Perhaps the Lord will look on my affliction and return good to me instead of his cursing this day. You see what David did? At this time, he looks to the Lord. He trusted the Lord. He knew that God was able to take care of situations like this. And as we continue to read, God blessed. David literally inherited the land, and he became king of Israel again, got the kingdom back. The fourth example today is, of course, the greatest example, and that's Jesus why don't you think about Jesus for a minute? The greatest example of meekness, of gentleness, is found in the very life of Jesus. Do you remember who Jesus is? Are you remembering the Trinity? God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son. Eternal, infinite, forever. Here's a good one to try to explain to your kids and grandkids. Was before there ever was, was. I mean, how do, right? And Hebrews shows this Jesus holds all things, created all things, holds all things together. The King of kings and Lord of lords. And here we have, here, here we have uh, an example of meekness. Let me share this with you. As we go through the Beatitudes, all these qualities that we're finding in the Beatitudes are Jesus' qualities. They're not just what we aspire to have, to do. They're Jesus' qualities in this one as well. Was Jesus meek? Did he humbly trust God and his plan for his life? Well, Philippians 2, right? He emptied himself. He came to earth. Emmanuel, God with us. There's one right there. I would say he trusted the Lord and he trusted God's plan for his life and exhibited meekness and gentleness. Paul saw this, 2 Corinthians 10.1. He starts out this chapter by saying this, a very strong word. I urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. This is Paul writing later to the Corinthian church. And he's describing Jesus with meekness and gentleness. Of course, Jesus said it himself. Matthew 11, 28 and 29. 
Some of you remember the first part, but maybe not the second part of this passage. Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Do you remember that? All of you, take up my yoke and learn from me because, here it is, I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. I mean, it's a picture of what he did. He said it. He lived it out. Here's just a couple examples of Jesus living it out. Jesus manifested meekness when he rode in triumph into Jerusalem. Do you remember that? Palm Sunday? Jesus rides in triumphantly on a greyhound. No, Eastern New Mexico fans, not a greyhound, but what? A donkey. He rides in on a donkey instead of a war horse. They would have expected him to ride in on a war horse, but he is meek and gentle, and he rides in on a a donkey, fulfilling prophecy that stated he would ride in gently on a donkey. Then we get to the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember Peter? Most of us are more like Peter, are we not? Come on, right? The mob comes. What does Peter do? Star Wars pulls out his lightsaber. His sword and what? Wax off one of the mob, one of their ears. And Jesus says, good job. No. Jesus rebukes Peter. Jesus, at that point, did not call down the angel armies of heaven. Jesus, in fact, allowed himself to be taken. You're like, that's not a good... Why would you do that? He is submitting. Do you see? He is submitting to the will of his father. He's following through with that. So he knew it was God's will. He wasn't being weak. He was being meek or gentle. And he allows himself to be taken. He trusted that this was God's plan. And even as we go a little further into that evening, that night, the next day, even when Jesus was falsely accused, do you remember it? When he was abused horribly, when he was slandered, when even they mocked him. Do you remember they even put a sign on the cross? They mocked him. He was our example of this. Jot down 1 Peter 2.23. I'd like for you to really contemplate that this week. Here's what 1 Peter 2.23 says. Now Peter's a little bit older. Eyewitness. Eyewitness to all of this. And he writes this. When Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, He did not threaten, but continued entrusting, you hear that? But he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Oh, to be like Jesus, amen? Oh, God, continue to complete the good work you begin in me, and you'll finish it on the day of our Lord, when our Lord returns. Please continue to work in my life. Oh, I want to be like that. Blessed, blessed, joyful, contented are the meek, the gentle, because they will inherit the earth. So let's look at our fourth point today, the inheritance from meekness, because they will inherit the earth. Now, go back. We, we, as we look at Scripture, we need to think about the original hearers. Picture this. This is a powerful statement to these original hearers. 
many of the recipients, do you remember the Romans and everything going on? Many of these recipients, these hearers, they did not own land. They were subject to oppressive landlords, if you will. This is a beautiful, mind-blowing promise. Now, this inheritance is not oil wells. Sorry. It's not Manhattan property. It's not San Joaquin Valley Farms. In a sense, this inheritance is now. Well, why would you say that, Lamar? Why would you say that this way? Because the, the meek person, the gentle person, has great inner contentedness. So, so there's some good things that are happening right now. But I want to let you know, it references Psalm 3711. I would encourage you to read that psalm sometime. We don't have time to read it today, but look at it. It references that. And it has a great future implication. And this implication is powerful for the Christian. You see, we may be pushed around now. We may be persecuted. You may be facing sorrow and suffering. But your future and my future is one of gain, not of loss. Are you aware of that? Do you celebrate that? Can we live our life that way? Can we see what a glorious future we have? And it's an honor if we suffer or if we're persecuted or reviled or any of those things. Can we see that our future is bright? Because they will inherit the earth. 1 Corinthians 6, 2, the first part. Or don't you know that the saints will judge the world? 2 Timothy 2, 12. If we endure, we will also reign with him. That's not R-A-I-N. We wish it was in New Mexico, but that's R-E-I-G-N. We will reign with him. And Matthew 19, 28, Jesus' words, Jesus said to them, I assure you in the Messianic age, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones. Now, many of us would understand that the meek will rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ during the millennial reign of Christ. Of course, ultimately, let's go another step further. The Bible says we're joint heirs with Jesus. Our inheritance will also include eternity. Are you aware of that? And a new heaven and a new earth. So picture all these things and see the gain that is involved in that. The meek, the gentle. So who then are the meek according to Psalm 37? I thought it would be good to look at that psalm since it's referenced here, since Jesus referenced it. Here's what we would see out of Psalm 37. Four things, right quickly. Who are the meek? The gentle. They're those who, number one, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Number two, delight in the Lord. Number three, commit their way to the Lord. Number four, Rest in the Lord. Let me say that one more time. Right out of Psalm 37. Those who trust in the Lord. And I would ask you today, are you trusting in the Lord? Oh, yes, Lamar, of course, I'm a Christian. It's not what I'm just talking about. Daily, are you trusting in the Lord? Number two, those who delight in the Lord. Are you delighting in the Lord? Or are you whining and griping? Because some people are like, you know, I just, I, I, there's so many don'ts and do's. And, are you delighting in the Lord? He has saved you, and what he is doing, he's offering you abundant life. Number three, commit their way unto the Lord. Have you done that? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. 
We need to do that every day. And number four, those who rest in the Lord. Church, can you get to the point where you are this meek, gentle person, this strength under perfect control because you can rest in the Lord and His goodness and His plan for your life right now, today, and tomorrow. We worry so much. I thought about these high school graduates, and I looked at the screen, and I was thinking, you know, it's hard when you're graduating high school, your future. Uh, Not those three. Did you see what they're going to (laughs) do? Man, they got it mapped out. And most of the time, we're thinking, right, years down the road, even as a church, sometimes we're thinking years down the road. How about we rest in the Lord today? Is He sufficient in your life? Is He sufficient for Hoppentown Church? Of course He is. May we be those meek people and those gentle people who inherit the earth. We rest in the Lord. According to Jesus, it is these who are blessed and these who will inherit the earth. Let me wrap it up. A.W. Tozer. Anybody ever read Tozer? You know it's getting ready to be heavy, don't you? Man. Can, can I just share something pastorally with you? When I read Tozer, I'm always depressed. I'm like, whoa, is me. There, huh, I can't live up to this. It's, it's, it's amazing. I wish I'd have known him. I wish I could have followed him around. and just When he sinned, I was going to say, aha, see, you do sin. Aha. But his writings, boy, it's that kind, of, that kind of guy, right, that just gets us thinking and projects us onward. Here's what he said. The meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with the sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson. But he has stopped being fooled about himself. Here it comes, Tozer. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is as weak and helpless as God declared him to be. But paradoxically, he knows at the same time that he is in the sight of God of more importance than the angels. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. Amen? Think about that. Just think about that for a minute. People today who are listening, who do not have that personal relationship with Jesus, you have not repented and run to the Lord and asked forgiveness for your sin. You've not allowed God to give you the faith that only He can give that causes you to be able to say, I give my life to you, God. Think about it for a minute. You're nothing. If this has not happened, if you've not been regenerated, salvation is a word we use. For God so loved the world, that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes shall not, what? Perish. It's the opposite of that. It's having that relationship with the Lord. You're nothing if you don't have that. But with God, there's everything. Good news today. God had a rescue plan for you. He sent His one and only Son, Jesus, because He loved you. The Scripture says He demonstrated His love by sending Jesus not just to hang out, but to die for our sins. That's what the Bible says. And He offers salvation. It's not a surprise you're here or you're listening online. Can you allow God to work in your life? You can't truly be meek and gentle 
without salvation? Would you consider that today? Repenting. That means turn to the Lord. Let Him do His work. What does the Bible say? Today is the day of salvation. People are saved all over the planet today. Why not you today? And for those of you who are believers, who know that you know that you know that God has saved you and you have that relationship with the Lord. Amen? Yes. It's time for us to be meek and to be gentle and realize with God we're everything. We're no longer nothing. Let me read James 1.21 again to you. Here's my charge for you, Christian. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for the teaching of Jesus right here. What a blessed journey to be able to look at that. God, I pray that you would help us that we would be open right now to you. We would open our hearts, our lives to you right now. You would do your work in our lives unto salvation, unto the abundant life, the victorious life that only you can give. God, help us to be receptive in just these few minutes. Help us to respond to you however you ask of us. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.